Welcome to the Retirement Planning Guy podcast, a show designed to help retirees and pre-retirees live an awesome retirement. Your host is Jim Martin, financial advisor and author of The Retirement Playbook. Jim discusses ideas, strategies, and techniques to help you live your ideal retirement. So sit back, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because we begin right now. How do I choose the right financial advisor? I've gotten this question dozens of times over my career, just got it this last weekend, and I wanted to share with you today some steps you can take to help you find the right financial advisor. Folks, my name is Jim Martin. I'm the retirement planning guy, and our goal here on this show is to help you plan well and retire awesome. And today we're talking about how do you find the right financial advisor? How do you select them? There's so many. It's such a big task and it's so important. What are some things that you can do to put you on the right track to make great decisions here? But before we get started, let's go through our disclosures. This show, this is what our attorneys want you to know, this show is for informational purposes only. It's only for entertainment. Don't take anything we say here and act upon it. Make sure you talk to an attorney, financial advisor, or CPA before taking action on anything discussed during today's show. So when you're trying to figure out, should you hire a financial advisor? What do I look for? And what makes sense? Let's talk about the biggest question first. The most obvious is, do you even need a financial advisor? Because believe it or not, not everybody needs a financial advisor, just like not everybody needs a CPA or not everybody needs an attorney. Look, if you don't have any money and you don't have any intention of saving any money, you don't need a financial advisor. However, if you're on a track where you want to plan for retirement, you've got some money saved and you have some questions, you might want to consider it. Now, let's talk about the people that should and the people that shouldn't. Like, you can do this on your own. Like, there's no doubt in the world that you can be a do it yourselfer when it comes to financial planning. What that means is you're going to need to commit a serious amount of time to study the markets, passive versus active investing. You're going to need to really understand asset allocation. You're going to really, really, really need to understand diversification, income planning, investment planning, estate planning, tax management. All of this stuff is a learned, a learned activity. There's nothing talent-based about it. So it's not like, hey, I want to play baseball and I want to play for the New York Yankees. Well, not everybody can play for the New York Yankees. Like there's a certain amount of talent that you have to have. Obviously, hard work is there, but you've got to have the talent. Hard work only gets you so far when you're dealing with that kind of thing. In our world, though, you don't necessarily need talent. Although, you know, you need to have a decent enough IQ. What you really need to do, though, is you really need to commit to it. You need to be a student of the game. So I look at this like a car in a lot of ways. You know, my very first car was a 77 Camaro. Oh, that thing was awesome. It was white when I got it, like rust white. And we took it to Mako and and got an awesome paint job on this thing. And I put new tires and new rims on it. And then it's a 77, right? Like, I guess this was in the 90s. So it was, it was uh, you know, those cars, they, they broke every time you looked at them. It, they didn't break permanently. I mean, you could fix it. And fix it, we did. You know, changed alternators, starters, uh, spark plugs, tune-ups. You name it, brakes, everything. We we were after it all the time. I think I can still change the starter with my eyes closed. I know I can change the oil with my eyes closed. But you know what? Today, cars are so complex. 
I mean, they're so complex. I've got this truck. I've got this 2014 Ram, and I love this truck. I, I pull pull a boat with it and pull stuff with it, and I, I try to look like, you know, a country boy in it, you know, with my suit on. But I love this truck. I pulled up to a gas station a couple weeks ago, and I get out, and I start pumping gas, and I get back in, and I turn the, uh, I turn the key, and the thing won't start. It just won't start. And then I take the key out. And then it still is making noise and it's doing all these electrical issues. And I'm out there, I unplug the, the battery, I plug it back on. It doesn't say low battery. Everything looks good. I can't get this stupid thing to start. I just can't do it. I don't know what's going on with it. I don't. I can't jump it, but it can't be the battery because the moment I turn off the key, the, like there's all these electrical issues. I have the key out and the car is like trying to do stuff. It's just a nightmare. So I call the roadside assistants. They come and they tow the car. It gets to the gas station where where we do have work down at the BP. There's a BP in my town that has a, a service station attached. And the guy says, oh, you just need a new battery. A new battery? Like the thing was running without when the key was turned off. But that's how technology is in these cars. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world today. I choose not to learn how to fix cars anymore. I just don't. I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I don't want to get my knuckles ripped open. I don't want to have the grease under my fingernails for six weeks. That was cool when I was like 18. It ain't so cool anymore, guys. Like today, I just want to outsource that. I know how to change the oil in every one of my vehicles. It's messy. Then I've got to go dispose of it. You know, I've got to do all the right stuff with it. Nope. I'd much rather drive into one of these drive-through oil changing places and pay an extra 10 bucks and have them do it for me. That's called outsourcing. Like, I don't love doing that stuff. If you don't love managing money and watching the stock market and understanding alphas and betas and R ratios and all the things that go into mutual funds and asset allocations and rebalancing. If you don't love that, outsource it. That's Those are the people that should hire a financial advisor. If you love it, do it on your own. Nothing wrong with that. Like That's beautiful. But for everyone else, hiring a financial advisor could be a really wise move. Now, once we figure out if we need to hire a financial advisor, then we go through the process of figuring out what do we look for? Like, okay, there's like a thousand of these people out there and they all say they're awesome and experts and they know everything and they're so much smarter than us. How do I find the right one that's actually legit? So let's talk about the companies first because you need to look at their classification. What kind of company do they work for? And then in the financial advising world, there's basically two two types of ways people can run their business. They can run it in what's called a captive world, or they can run it as an independent. Now, full disclosure, I am an independent advisor, so I'm a bit biased here, but I'll walk you through why, because I have studied this world for a long time. And I really think that the, the world is stacked against the retail investor. I think that these firms charge too much, they provide too little, and they give their reins to people that don't know enough. So let's talk about what a captive firm is. And there's, by the way, there's lots of good captive firms. There's lots of good people that work at these captive firms. So I don't want to lump everybody into this, this nutshell that says, hey, this guy is terrible or this woman's awful. No, I don't mean that at all. I don't know your advisor or anybody else who's listening. I'm just saying that by and large, firms do play a role in the quality of uh, of the advice. But and again, not on an individual basis, but on a wide range. So a captive firm would be like, a Mass Mutual, a New York Life, a uh, an Edward Jones, a Merrill Lynch, a Wells Fargo Advisors, Morgan Stanley, and again, all of those are fine firms. However, 
the advisors or the brokers that work for these firms, they all have sales goals. And if they don't hit their sales goals, generally speaking, they don't get to have a job. Okay, because of that, just because of that alone, that should give you enough indication that those are not people you want to work with. Do you really want to walk into an office of an advisor that's going to get fired if they don't close the business with you? Okay, not me. Not me at all. So that's why I'm a big uh, that's why I'm a big proponent of the independent world. The other thing around captive firms is they might also have proprietary products. And proprietary doesn't mean bad, but chances are if it's proprietary, there's something else on the outside that's going to be better than. Now, here's the here's why I like independent. Independent advisors, generally speaking, don't have sales goals. They work for their clients, their clients alone. So they're generally independent business owners or they work for an independent business owner. The other thing, the other reason I like it is, you know, when I want to get a mortgage and I buy some rental properties from time to time, I go down and see my buddy Tom. And now Tom doesn't work for a local bank. Tom is a mortgage broker. If I went down to the local bank first, whatever, so one of these one of these bank names, and I went down there and said, hey, I need a mortgage, they're just going to give me the mortgage they have on the shelf. So whatever the bank offers. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad mortgage. It might be an awesome mortgage. But when I go talk to my buddy, Tom, and I say, hey, Tom, I'm thinking about buying this duplex. And hey, um, find me find me the best rate for this term. What Tom's going to do is shop the world. He's going to call every one of these banks and find me the very best rate with the best points. And again, I'm not a mortgage guy, but he's going to find me the very best of what I'm trying to do. Okay, I like that a lot better than just having one selection. I like knowing that I'm going to shop the world. The same is true for property and casualty insurance. So think of your your car insurance. Like State Farm is this fabulous company. I have a family member that works for them, big fans of State Farm. They treat their clients and their employees well, big fans. But when you walk into State Farm and say, hey, I need car insurance, they're just going to shop State Farm. Well, what if Progressive or Erie or Allstate have a better rate? So I call my friend Mike and I say, hey, Mike, I need to get you know car insurance updated. What's the best rate for my vehicle? Mike is going to go out and shop all of the different insurance companies and give me the best rate. Now, I'm also going to probably call State Farm on the back end because if State Farm is a little bit better, I might choose them. But I like the idea of knowing that when Mike goes out and shops it, he's shopping for the very best. So one of the cool things about working with an independent advisor is not just because we don't have sales goals, but also because the world is your oyster. We have access to so much stuff that a captive advisor doesn't. And options are good when it comes to your money. That doesn't mean they're better investments necessarily, but options are good. So really select an independent advisor. The other thing is certifications. Now, the certifications, they're a little confusing because sometimes you can find an advisor that has like 45 different certifications. You see like John Schmoltz. And if there's a John Schmoltz that's an advisor out there, I'm not picking on you. I have no idea. I'm just making up a name. But you see John Schmoltz and he has 5,000 certifications. He's really smart, obviously. That doesn't mean he's a good advisor, but boy, he likes taking tests. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But the barrier to entry to get into our business is really low. And this is one of the other things that I'm just not a fan of in the financial advising space is that people that were selling cars three months ago are now managing people's entire net worths. I don't know. That that just seems like a really low barrier to entry. All you have to do is pass a test and you can call yourself a financial advisor. That's it, guys. You have to pass a test. Like 180 question test. I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, given people enough time in three weeks, they can pass about anything. 
they have to pass the test. Now, the certifications aren't significantly better, but I think you do want to look for somebody that has some certifications, whether that's AIF or CFP or FC or AMS or, boy, there's, there's, there's tons of these certifications. But ask your advisor what they mean and why, why is that certification important? And really dive into this. I don't necessarily love one certification over the other. You know, they're all they all have their pluses and their minuses. But really ask people. Try to find somebody that has some level of certification. Somebody that's went above and beyond just passing the test. Because passing the test isn't enough. It's just not enough. You've got to learn more. You've got to be a student of the game. You've really got to have a, you know, a heart for learning if you're going to be an advisor, in my opinion. And then you get into this thing with, you know, there's there's all these celebrity advisors that are out there. And then there's there's financial gurus like Dave Ramsey. And Dave, Dave has a Smart Vester Pro certification or program. And again, in full disclosure, we are our firm does participate with Dave. We are a Smart Vester Pro. I think this is a nice way to help you find a good advisor. It does put multiple advisors in front of you who have had some level of vetting from Dave's organization. And ultimately, finding somebody with the heart of a teacher and somebody who thinks about things the same way you do, I think that's helpful oftentimes when it comes to money. So, you know, Dave's basic tenants are, you know, get out of debt and have an emergency fund and save a a chunk of your money. This is really basic stuff. The, The advice that your grandmother gave you, he just he found a really good way to package it and market it and get people to buy in. So I think a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro is, you know, I think that's a good thing for somebody to, to look for and to have. Uh, some other things that are out there, and this is really the big one, it's called a fiduciary. And there's two types of standards out there. There's in our world, there's what's called a suitability standard and a fiduciary standard. And I'll walk you through why this is such a big deal and why you need to make sure you're working with a fiduciary. When you go to your doctor, you never really question when he gives you advice, if he's giving you advice that's in his best interest or yours. You just inherently know that you know physicians have taken the oath and they're going to act in your behalf and do the right thing. When you go to an advisor, because of the way our world is set up, that's not always the case. People are always a little leery and because, because there's so much money in this business. There, there's two standards that you need to be aware of, suitability and fiduciary. Now, suitability sounds like really good until you realize what it is. So let's think about you're going to eat dinner and you're going to walk into a butcher and you're going to go into the butcher's shop and you're going to say, hey, 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 Chuck, I need, uh, I, need, I, need, I need some food for tonight. And Chuck's going to say, look, I've got this great, great roast over here. It's awesome. And we've got this and we've got this. And he wraps it up for you and he smiles and he gives it to you. Chuck did nothing wrong, right? Like he just gave you something that was suitable for what you said. Chuck, all he did was say, you said, hey, I want this. Chuck said, hey, I've got something that you've described. Here you go. Okay, that's the suitability standard. Here's what a fiduciary standard is. You go to Martha and Martha's a dietitian, and your cholesterol is a little high and maybe you're a little overweight. Martha says, look, no red meat. You got you to gotta hold off on that. What we're going to do is get a really nice piece of fish, some broccoli, and uh, maybe some rice. And that's what you should have for dinner. Now, Chuck's might have sounded or tasted better, but you know inherently Martha's in your best interest. When she's giving you that advice, that's good advice. That's for you. Our world should be set up as a fiduciary standard only, in my opinion. Because what you don't want to find is somebody who only follows a suitability standard. So when you're sitting with an advisor and they make your presentation to you, here's what you want to ask. How much is it going to cost me? How much are you going to get paid? Why did you select this? 
Why is this important? If it's a commission, how much of a commission are you earning? Why? What does, how does this impact me? Just ask questions. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's really good to ask questions. We ask our clients to ask questions. I encourage everyone here that's working with an advisor, ask these questions. Make sure you work with somebody who is a true fiduciary, who is legally obligated to act in your best interest. You're going to get a better outcome, generally speaking, in my opinion. Here's the last one. And this is probably the most important one, relationship and trust. Like Once you go through and you check off, hey, are you a captive or indie? independent advisor? Uh, do you have any certifications? Are you Dave Ramsey, Smart Vester Pro? Are you a fiduciary? The next thing is, do I like you? Can I work with you? Do I trust you? Do I want to work with you? And here's one of the basic best ways to check to, from a trust perspective that'll help a little bit is there's a website called Broker Check. So just go out and Google and type in Broker Check. It might be brokercheck.org and then type in your financial advisor's name. And you're going to be able to pull up a report to see if they have any disclosures, and you're going to see what kind of history they have. Disclosures would be complaints in our world. Complaints can, they're not the end of the world. I'm not saying don't select somebody because they have a complaint, but ask them about it. Hey, I, I pulled up your record. I noticed that you had a complaint. What's that mean? If you pull up your advisor and they have 45 complaints, you might want to find somebody different. That might not be the, re- the right person for you. Think of that almost as a, um, oh, I don't know, like a Google review. The other thing is search for them online. Okay, once you've gotten through and you've done a little due diligence and you've taken a look, do they have a social media presence? Do they have a website? Do they have a real office? Do they have a real staff? Do I trust them? Do you like them? Can you get along with them? You don't have to be best friends. We're not talking about you need to go over to their house every Friday for for supper. But what we are talking about is you can have candid conversations that they don't talk down to you, that they have the heart of a teacher, that they're there to help you and you feel like they care. And that's something in your gut. Like, like that's not a checklist item. It's just somebody you like. I mean, I meet people all the time that, you know, we make these decisions pretty quick. Do I like this person or eh, do I not like them a whole lot? If you don't like them, it doesn't matter how great their plan is. Don't work with people you don't like. This is a long-term relationship. Find somebody that you think is going to do really well for you, who cares about you, who listens, who wants to make sure that you're in a better place 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Those are the kind of people you want to find. That's who you want to, when you're selecting an advisor, these are the steps you want to take. Let me go through them again. Number one, figure out if you need somebody, right? Like That's the first step. Like if you love doing this on your own, don't feel like you need to go see an advisor. If you just if you like love it beyond all belief, now maybe you want to pay an advisor to look over your plan and pay them hourly. I think that's fair and reasonable, but you probably don't need to hire somebody to manage your money at that point. Try to find an independent advisor. So somebody that owns their own firm or is not, you know, represented by a much larger company. They all have access almost to the same exact stuff. So don't think that the guy down the street with the mahogany walls and you know the Porsche parked out front has access to better stuff than you know somebody else down the street. Find somebody with some certifications, you know, or at least ask them why they don't have it. Again, it's not the most important thing in the world. If you don't have, there's plenty of great, great advisors without certifications. But it's a nice step. Find a smart investor pro. I think if you know you want somebody that has the heart of a teacher and follows some really basic financial planning, I think that could be a pretty good place fiduciary. Find an advisor that has a fiduciary responsibility. And then finally, find somebody you trust and you like. If you can tie all that together, you've probably found somebody you can work with. And that's a really big deal. 
Now, one cool thing about our, our show is we've got this awesome website that'll help you here. It's called retirementplanningguy.com. And on retirementplanningguy.com, we've got this webinar that you can download right now. It's really cool. It's called our Financial Freedom Roadmap. And it's a webinar. It's about 20 minutes long. You can watch the webinar and get some really good ideas on how to begin to plan your own financial freedom. So visit the webinar or visit the website and and take a look at the webinar or anything that's out there. And look, if you have some friends that you think might benefit from this, because this is always a question that comes up is how do I select the right advisor? Don't be afraid to forward them the show. We love new listeners. We appreciate you listening. Remember, my name is Jim Martin. I'm the retirement planning guy. Our objective is to help you plan well and retire awesome. We appreciate you joining us today for this episode of the Retirement Planning Guy podcast. Be sure to visit retirementplanningguy.com to access additional information, including our free retirement planning kit to help you live an awesome retirement. Take the first step to living the life you've always imagined with the Retirement Planning Guy. Opinions voiced in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives. Information provided is not intended as tax or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek tax or legal advice from an independent professional. We are not affiliated with Social Security or any governmental agency. New River Financial Group LLC is a registered investment advisor offering advisory services in the state of Virginia and other jurisdictions where exempted. New River Financial Group LLC doing business as Martin Wealth Solutions. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining value.